0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Hi, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV series The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, welcome to The Talking Dead. This is episode number 48, inching a little bit closer to 50 for Monday, July the 4th, 2011. Happy Independence Day, everyone in the United States. Happy Independence Day. We had our uh, holiday on Friday, Friday last yep. week, uh, known as Canada Day. That mm-hmm. is essentially our Independence Day. It is. And uh, it just happens to kind of line up with uh, July the 4th in the U.S. Kind of a little bit, sort of, Yes. Before we get into things here, Jason, tell me what you did for the holiday. Did you celebrate it? Uh, we did. We went to Ottawa. Actually, we went to Ottawa
1: and celebrated Canada Day in our nation's capital. That's right. I was going to say that's the good. That's the place to be if you're
0: going to celebrate the country's. Oh, birthday. we didn't.
1: We didn't go downtown or anything like that. We just kind of hung out on uh, my brother-in-law's deck and uh, had a good time and listened to the fireworks. All right. We couldn't see them, but
0: we could hear them. Oh, you could hear them. That's fine. Yeah. Does your family in Ottawa watch The Walking Dead?
1: I don't. I don't think so. Oh, you <laughs> it's should, you... never come up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you should get them on board. You should see what the, I mean, are they TV people? Not really. No. Oh, uh, see, I don't understand that.
1: Well, yeah, they're not TV people. then, So I don't think they do, but
0: they may. All right. Well, I spent the holiday... Um, Watching TV? Uh, no, Well, yeah, I do watch TV almost every day. Mm-hmm. But I was out mm-hmm. of town for a night, and then I came back and built a retaining wall around a jungle gym in my backyard. So Sweet. Good times for that me. jungle gym is now retained. <laughs> it sure is. It ain't going anywhere. Yeah. On our program today, it's very exciting. We are doing our actor Walking Dead actor spotlight on Norman Reedus, Mm -hmm. everybody's favorite character on the show. I think between him and uh, um, Glenn, those are a couple of fan favorites. Oh, yeah. This is very exciting. I tweeted out this morning that tonight is our Norman Reedus actor spotlight, which was subsequently retweeted by Norman Reedus himself. That was pretty sweet. That was great. So I wanted to send out a quick big thank you to him for doing that and uh, making it known that we will be talking about his past work on the program later on. Yep. Very exciting. Before that though, as always, we're going to run down the current week's Walking Dead news. And there's a fair bit of good information this week. Lots Oh, yeah. lots of interesting stuff to talk about, including some new cast members and some information on shooting season 2. So why don't we get right into that? Jump right in. Excellent. First day of shooting season two video. Uh, This has been all over the net for a little while now, or, well, at least about a week or so, I think. That's forever on the internet. Yeah, that is forever. (laughs) That's true. Um, So there's a quick sort of video of the cast and crew shooting shooting season two. In the heat. Yeah, it's hot again in Atlanta. Apparently, it's always hot down there. Well, except in the winter, I would suppose. Even then, I have a feeling it's still hot in Atlanta. It at is least July now. At least by our standards. Yeah. You know, when it's minus 28 here, it's probably still, you know, pretty nice down in Atlanta. Well, let's go. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why are we still here? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> ask that question every winter. <laughs> um, so, we watched the video. I've seen it a few times, and you just watched it five seconds ago. That's right. Before we started recording, and uh, what did you think of it?
1: I thought it was good. I mean, it was nice to see that they're in sort of a, a traffic jammy kind of, uh, you know, traffic jam of the apocalypse kind of thing. <laughs> That's right. It looks like the heat is uh, playing havoc on the camper, Dale's camper, because uh, there seems to be steam or smoke coming out of the engine.
0: That's something I noticed, too. It looks like that RV is broken down once again.
1: Yep. And he, and uh, Dale comes out of there uh, looking pretty angry that uh, his camper has broken down.
0: It broke down in season one in the gym episode, or at least the episode where they left Jim by the tree, right? That's where he decided not to go on. when yeah. They were on their way to the CDC. That was episode five, I think. Right. Um, and there was. Do you remember what the problem was? It was a belt that that I don't, uh, don't recall tore or something like that. Yeah. It looks some like some kind of enginey thing. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not
1: really enginey, so I don't know.
0: It looks like here that it may <laughs> have just simply overheated. Yeah. So also a problem. But there's cars all over the place, and I would imagine some zombies amongst the cars.
1: Right. So if you don't get the coolant from the cars. Somehow you could use the zombies to cool off. I don't think so. So the best bet is to, you know, siphon some coolant out of the uh, other vehicles. Can you do that? Can you siphon
0: coolant? Why not? You open up the radiator and get a hose and a bucket, siphon it out. All right. Why not? Uh, the only thing I've ever siphoned in my life is water out of a turtle tank. but that's oh, that a sounds gross. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's salmonella soup right there. <laughs> Ew, I know it was gross. I had a bit of tequila after to kill all the germs. That's probably smart. Yeah. Um, so... They're stuck on the road. It was kind of fun to see them. They they didn't really... We saw a couple of scenes of actual shooting where... But it was really just characters walking around and things like that. It was kind of fun to see the behind the scenes. It looks like a lot of people hung out underneath cars. That's where the shade is. Yeah, and you uh, think they
1: would give him an umbrella or a tent or a trailer or something? I don't know. Go roll under that car. Yeah, that
0: You'll car be... is jacked up pretty good. <laughs> you uh, you just
1: go hang out under there.
0: You'll be fine under there. Everything, yeah. everything's good. Sarah Wayne Callie got a sandwich under that car. She got a sandwich. Where better to eat lunch, really?
1: Really, yeah. If you're, if you're lying under a car. What's the best thing that could happen? Someone hands you a sandwich. That's what she said too.
0: She yeah. said uh, that life doesn't get any better than this. How could it? <laughs> That's right. Um, and it, it ends with a pretty funny clip with Stephen Yun sitting in in a car with a zombie. On a date. On on a date, that's right. He's not sure if it's a man or a woman zombie. Doesn't matter. And he's uh holding his or her hand. I, I kind of expected at the end the zombie to start moving, didn't you? No, it looked pretty real. I'll give it that. Well that's the thing. I don't know if that was uh, a real person just no. lying still or if it was a dummy.
1: No, it was a dummy. The way he when he was holding uh holding its hand near the end, it uh, obviously was very flexible. Oh, like that's it didn't true. have any bones or anything. The
0: hand uh the hand didn't look yeah, real. But before dumb. that you couldn't really tell.
1: It was very still.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I didn't think of that. I just thought it was somebody there, and uh, it was going to start moving all of a sudden and, you know, frighten everybody. No, I didn't expect that. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, If you want to check out that video, we'll have a link for it in the show notes. It's also on the Walking Dead uh, blog on amctv.com. It was just kind of fun to see them back back to business. I back think. to work. I'm looking forward to more of these videos. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll we'll bring you links to those as they're released. All right, on to the big news of the week. We have a three new uh, cast members announced. That's now great. these are all members of the Green family. For anyone who doesn't remember, that is Herschel and his his uh, family at the farm. Cast of characters. Cast of characters. Exactly. Uh, the first casting announced was that Pruitt Taylor Vince will be playing Otis, not technically a member of the Green family, but family, but works on the farm.
1: Well, of course, every farm has to have somebody named Otis, right? He's a farmhand. Well, yeah, if you're
0: going to have a farmhand, it's best to name him Otis. (laughs) I guess so. Is that the name you take on when you get the job? (laughs) Well, it could be, or if you work for an elevator company. Or if you're named Otis, are you destined to be a farmhand?
1: Or work for an elevator company. I mean, if you're going to name your kid Otis, you're pretty much guaranteed he's going to work as a farmhand, or he's going to be an elevator technician is that because elevators are made by a company called Otis there is a company called Otis and it was a guy with his last name named Otis that invented the elevator good for him so you look down when you go into an elevator and you see that there's a the little name plates as you step onto an elevator mm-hmm. most of them are Otis okay. I, I, I
0: find it's probably a very rich man or oh, and his, very dead his family yeah
1: nope, quite dead yeah
0: I hope he didn't die in an elevator accident oh geez that would be sad eh? like the Segway Segway guy he was. He didn't invent the
1: Segway, though. He just yeah, was the head he of the company. He bought the
0: company and then drove it off a cliff and died. I know it's not it, funny, it's funny, but it is. Yeah, it is
1: funny and sad, <laughs> silly.
0: So Pruitt Taylor Vince, Jason, do you know who this guy is? Have you seen him him in anything else? Movies such as Constantine. Nope. Wait, we, we saw Constantine. I caught,
1: oh, Wait, I'm gonna just uh, pull up his IMDb thing here
0: i believe you and i actually oh saw i know that. that guy saw that in the theater together so oh, he was that's in good i like that guy
1: he's got the he's got a weird eye where he can do his uh like he can move his eyes independently of each other and right they get really weird i've seen
0: him in lots of stuff that's hard to do man he was in monster yeah the, uh, Charlize theron movie that was, he was a good movie natural born killers as far as tv goes he was on the mentalist and a show that you like called deadwood yes he was on deadwood what do you remember of his work from Deadwood? Uh, well,
1: he played a uh, one of two brothers that owned a claim, a gold claim. And uh, he wanted to sell it to um, another character that was coming onto the show. And he, his brother didn't want to sell. So he shot his brother and then was very upset by this and then ended up getting shot himself. And uh, he's a very large man. And in Deadwood, he was playing a very large man. And the doctor had to operate on him, but didn't want to because it was hard to get to
0: his Because heart. he was so large. Because he was so large. Uh, a fantastic character he did a great job he does a great job in everything he does he does he's one of those guys he's a bit of a that guy because I did recognize him and I've definitely seen some of his uh, work although I haven't watched Deadwood despite your your uh, constantly reminding me to you need to watch
1: Deadwood for crying out loud
0: (laughs) I know I know it's on my long list uh, but I do, but I do definitely know who he is and I know I've seen him in numerous things and I think he's going to do a really good job as Otis on the walk. I'm, walking I'm really glad they cast him. That's exciting. That is exciting. Yes. And I remember him on the mental, mentalist as well. He plays, uh, somebody who's doing an investigation of the mentalist and stuff and sort of their boss. Oh, okay. Cool. So he ha- he plays more of an authority character on that show. Yes, he does. Interesting. I'm not sure I've ever seen him in a role like that. Pruitt, Taylor, Vince will be playing Otis. It's very exciting. So next, we have um, Maggie um, being played by Lauren Cohen. Now, this is an actress that I can't really say I know very much of. She was on Chuck. Is that a show you ever watched? Um, I Sporadically. I've seen the odd episode here or there, but I wouldn't uh, be able to tell you what that show's all about, really. Um, she was also in The Vampire Diaries. Have you ever seen that one? I don't think I have. No. Me either. Supernatural? Nope. I oh. do have the first
1: two seasons of Supernatural on DVD, but I haven't watched them yet.
0: Or Van Wilder 2, The Rise of Taj.
1: I definitely have not seen that.
0: <laughs> no, neither have I. I have seen the first Van Wilder, but apparently she wasn't in that I one. I haven't seen
1: so. that one either. I haven't seen any of the American Pie stuff.
0: That's not a ver- that's not American Pie. That's Van Wilder. Different, different I franchise. Of, I
1: thought Van Wilder was in American Pie.
0: No, not that I know Are of. Are you sure? I'm like
1: 95% sure. Oh, well, see, I wouldn't know because I haven't seen any of the American Pie stuff. Well, some
0: of those some of those early American Pie movies aren't I bad. I thought
1: the Van Wilder thing was kind of like a it's national lampoons, right? Yeah. So I thought it was a, you know, a, a spin-off of the, uh, the the American
0: Pie stuff. Van Wilder is the one with Ryan Reynolds, and he's Van Wilder. He's not in the American Pie movies oh. unless Taj is a spin-off cuz from that, from a character in American Pie. I
1: just made a blanket assumption there. I guess I was like way off base on that. Well, one.
0: I don't know. I could be mistaken, but I don't think so.
1: Should I watch the American Pie stuff?
0: Well, the first one or two were okay. Yeah. The, the, the other 18 that they've put out straight to DVD, I don't think are worth it. The now, stories
1: from Bandcamp or something like that?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Apparently they're doing a, another one for theaters now with the original cast, so we'll see. Ooh. Yeah, big big time oh, I'm thinking of Stifler. <clears throat> yeah, Stifler. That's yeah. not Van Wilder. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. So, yeah, this is this is uh this whole aside is my my fault. And okay. My mistake,
0: and I apologize. Try to uh stay on top of things next time. <laughs> or at least on topic. Yeah, that's right. At so very anyways, least. Anyways, Lauren Cohen, do you know her from anything? Nope. I'm I can't. Looking at pictures, I got nothing. I can't say that I do either, but I may at some point go back and check out some of her work. Uh as we are prone to do here. Finally, the big the big character cast is of course Herschel Green. And he will be played by an actor named Scott Wilson. This is an older gentleman, of course, because Herschel's an older character. He's been around a long time, and he's been in lots of big-time Hollywood movies, such as Dead Man Walking, Mm. Monster, along with Pruitt Taylor-Vince, I guess. That's a good movie. Pearl Harbor. Not a good movie. (laughs) And way back to 1969, In Cold Blood. I think that was 69. That's a famous movie. 67. 67, sorry. Um, The Last Samurai, that was the uh, uh, Tom Cruise uh, movie about samurais, right? (laughs) I don't know. You you saw The Last Samurai, I'm sure you I saw saw
1: the Tom Cruise movie about samurais, but I don't know what it was called. The Last
0: Samurai. He also has a recurring role on uh, CSI.
1: I was in Law and Order like
0: everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Like pretty much everyone else. Gail Ann Hurd had this to say about Mister Wilson. He's a veterinarian. No, nope, this is about Herschel. He's a veterinarian with a great <laughs> sense of humanity and a very unique take on the Walker walkers. Uh, she goes on to say, "Not everyone in his family survives." So no, nope. that'll, that'll be interesting. I mean, we know what happens in the comic book, but yeah, I guess they're going to sort of follow that line in the in the uh, TV show as well. Good. Uh, Scott was chosen, says Heard, because of his tremendous scope and gravitas. Nice. So there you go. What more can you ask for, really? Scope and gravitas. Uh, That's all I've ever wanted was gravitas. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe someday you'll get some. Yeah. (laughs) Good for you. And I can go buy some scope. Um, so Scott Wilson, have you seen Dead Man Walking and Pearl Harbor in those movies? I saw Pearl Harbor. Uh, I don't remember
1: him from that. Um, Dead Man Walking, I don't think I saw.
0: Yeah, I didn't, I, I haven't either.
1: Although I heard it was good.
0: Yeah. But he's another one of those guys that I have I see pictures of and I'm like, oh, yeah, him, right? But I couldn't, you know, I couldn't name, if I didn't look these up, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what he acted in.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, I'm bad with that anyway. Well, that's true, too. I'd have to meet someone like five times before I remember who they are. Tom Cruise? What was he in again? <laughs> yeah, something called um, Top Gun. Top what now? Yeah, Risky Business. <laughs> All right, now you know what uh, era I'm from. Yeah. So there you go. We've got Pruitt Taylor-Vince as Otis, Lauren Cohen as Maggie, and Scott Wilson as Herschel. Those are big uh, big, big casting developments there, mm-hmm. I would say. It's very exciting. Lots of good wait. stuff. Hopefully we can get you know a video similar to the one we talked about a few minutes ago um, with some of these characters doing stuff in it. That would be great. If they're in the show yet. I mean, if they're just starting filming now, they might
1: not be in until... Like until they get to Herschel's farm. Well, that's what it could I mean. Be like three, four episodes. Really, I, I know.
0: But I mean, uh, as they move along, well, I'd like to see some of them uh, in action. That kind of thing. Right. Me too. Um, okay. Speaking of season of uh, filming season two, we have our first dispatch from the set. They did this in season one as well, where people on set, usually Kirkman or one of the actors or um, Frank Darabont, would just do a quick little thing. Here we are on set, similar to what we had in that other video. Right. So dispatch from the set Frank Darabont regarding the farm location he says the farmhouse was built in the late 1800s it's got this wonderful blend of beauty and isolation and it's just a little bit creepy mm. um, he also talked about it being a cross between a couple of things and one of those things is the farmhouse from the Amityville horror oh cool which is you know a creepy old farmhouse so I think they've oh, yeah. probably found a really cool location for this creepy windows Yeah, definitely creepy windows. Hopefully it's not the same location because that'll just take... Well,
1: yeah. I mean... Oh, look, it's the Amityville house.
0: (laughs) How about that? Once again. (laughs) Um, Here's a longer quote on expanding plot lines from the comic. He says, We're fleshing out the story in so many different directions. Once you're into this with real actors playing these characters, the dynamics develop over time from episode to episode. There's so much rich story and character to plunder. I don't know if we're giving anything away, but... And this is a... Could be a spoiler. Something as simple in the comic book as, quote, Laurie gets pregnant, winds up being sort of a fantastic complication on screen. In the story we're telling, it's not just that simple as it was in the comic comic book, because you have those opportunities to really spin the story out in many different layers. Yes. So do you think he's saying that in the TV show, Laurie gets pregnant? Pretty much. Pretty much, eh? Well, Yeah, I mean, like, it's a big surprise. Well, I'm not saying it's a surprise, but... No one really knows. And as any longtime listeners remember, that's my call for what uh, uh, Dr. Jenner whispered to Rick in the CDC. Yeah,
1: that makes the most sense, I think.
0: And I think that's what most people are expecting. That being the case, maybe they'll go a different direction on the show. Oh, my God. I hope it's not a zombie baby. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, my God. We don't want any zombie babies. No. Your baby's a zombie. Do what you want with that. (laughs) Good (laughs) luck. Deal with that, sucker. (laughs) (laughs) So I think Darabont basically all but just revealed that the pregnancy is at least going to be a part of the show. Yes. Which, you know, for a long time there was some question as to whether they would even bring that up. Um, My feeling was that with Shane still alive and them exploring all that conflict, they didn't necessarily need the pregnancy. Well, I think, excuse me, I think the pregnancy actually adds to that conflict. Whose baby is it? It sure does, but I think for a TV show sometimes... I mean, you might have enough there just with the fact that the conflict is ongoing a little bit, and those two relationships still happening. Right. The pregnancy does complicate it a fair bit. You're absolutely right. She's there. not going to give birth this season, though. There's no way. Uh no. I mean, well, I mean, they—they're not going to jump nine months in in thirteen episodes, n- or no. eight months, or whatever it is. <laughs>
1: Probably not I know that a you know gestation <laughs> period is nine months. I just don't know how long she's been pregnant. I, I
0: wasn't sure if you were aware or not. I <laughs> wasn't long, gonna bring it in.
1: What now? I think it's like six months or something. <laughs> it's getting faster, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah.
0: it's all the hormones in the food, you know. Yeah. They're, nine women can give birth in one month. That's right. That's how it works, I think. Yeah. Um Yeah, she how long had the zombie apocalypse be- Apocalypse been going on in season one about a month, right?
1: It's been, yeah, six weeks, months, something like that. And
0: season one encapsulated no more than four or five days of time. It wasn't long. So, so at that time, she's probably two weeks along, something like that. Maybe three at the most. Yeah. So Was she
1: pregnant before Rick went into his coma, though, right? Okay,
0: that's a good question. I'm assuming she was not, but... Well, then it's got to be Shane's. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's got to be Shane's, if, if not. But... Yeah, we don't really know how far along she Hmm. is. So, anyways, um, season two, as you said, probably won't span nine months of time or the required amount of time for uh, cooking a baby. Whatever that is. Yeah. Um, But, uh, anyways, it looks like that will be part of the show, which is kind of exciting news for anyone who's, you know, looking forward to a pregnancy on the show. (laughs) Why not, eh? The plot thickens.
1: And pregnancies always thicken plots. Yeah, they never thin it out, that's for sure. Oh, she's pregnant? That's great. That really relieves my mind. I'm very happy to hear that. (laughs) Of course.
0: (laughs) So, moving right along, Deadline.com did an interview with Frank Darabont. They asked him some interesting questions, one of which was about the firing of the season one writing staff, and he finally gave us a pretty straight answer on what went down. Good. Um, up to this point, we had all sort of thought that, no, they weren't really fired. That was just, they, you know, weren't on board for the second season and they restructured their writing staff. No big deal. They got restructured out of a job. Yeah, I guess so. What Darabont had to say though was, let me just begin by stating the obvious. That was all pretty overblown. Of course. Uh, it left the impression that I walked in one day and murdered 12 people. (laughs) That's pretty harsh. That's pretty harsh. Hopefully that's Uh, not true. Yeah. Would you like to know how many writers we were talking about? Two. My thought had been that they'd under-delivered and a change was necessary. I had to do too much of it by myself last year and that was only six episodes. This season it's 13 and we've hired a fantastic writing staff. Hopefully none of which will be let go.
1: Yeah, for under, for under-delivering.
0: It's just interesting that he actually came out and said, you know what? I wasn't really happy with some of the, you know, a couple of the writing staff last year. And in fact, I had to take on too much of that role myself.
1: Uh, yeah. I I've thought had it was, similar problems with people at work.
0: I thought it was remarkably candid, actually. Yeah. You have these problems? Your writing staff at work is no good? Sometimes I work with staff that uh, (laughs) under-deliver. Yeah. I guess we all do a little bit.
1: Only, you know, usually I don't have the power to fire them, but I am able to get them
0: fired on occasion. (laughs) Right. If you work hard enough at that, you can get anyone fired. Why just point out the flaw and let the chips fall where they may. There you go. So... Uh, Also in the Deadline.com interview, when asked about how the show will develop in season two, Frank Darabont said, it's fair to say that the first six episodes were teeing up a lot of conflicts that will be more fully explored in our second season. Golf metaphor. (laughs) We find a growing conflict with our two main guys, Rick and Shane. We're really excited about putting all the characters on a chessboard and seeing how wonderfully and effectively we can toss conflict into the game.
1: That's not really a chess metaphor.
0: Uh, no, I guess not, but I suppose there's not really a lot there we didn't assume anyhow, but, right. you know, it's just fun to hear them talking about this yeah. kind of stuff too. So good stuff, good stuff. There's some good stuff in that interview. If you want to check it out, there will be a link in our show notes as always. <clears throat> the next two news items relate to each other uh, because they are both about the Saturn Awards. I think first of all, let's just say that The Walking Dead won a Saturn Award.
1: And they don't get a Saturn <laughs> when they win this award, no,
0: right? they do not get the planet Saturn or a Saturn. They don't get well, they might. I don't know what the trophy looks like for the Saturn. No, I'm ones. thinking a car. Oh, or the car. Yeah, they I don't can know. get a car. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure they're not going to get the Saturn. Here I, you go.
1: Here's the deed to
0: Saturn. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. They may <laughs> get a statue that has a Saturn y type ball on the top. That'd be pretty cool. Saturn's got rings, right? It does. So it probably Saturn's has rings, that. even there you go. Um so it may have that I haven't seen what the Saturn award looks like but uh you know they probably don't get the car just like the Eagle awards they don't actually get eagles could could have fooled me you dumbass <laughs> <laughs> Uh anyways they won the Saturn award for best television presentation All right uh, It's a bit of a strangely named award if it you sure ask is. me like what exactly does best television presentation mean I I suppose they're just trying to encompass the whole you know, the whole element of putting something it, on TV. It's got
1: to be an industry term of some kind. Like it's, it's you know, best television show would have been, you know, a consumer term of some kind, but best television presentation, you know, it's got to be industry.
0: It I guess it factors in everything though, like cinematography and writing and locations and all these sorts of things. It's the whole package is a presentation put on TV, you know? Yeah. So I don't know, but that's so either way, congratulations to The Walking Dead for best television presentation.
1: Well, maybe it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're talking, yeah, maybe they're talking about the, uh, you know, the graphic design of the posters and the uh, the box design and, you know, everything that went along with the television
0: show in order to promote it. Yeah, maybe marketing is factored in, I don't the know. The billboards
1: and all that kind of stuff.
0: Well, speaking at the awards, Brett Darabont, excuse me, and Gail Ann Hurd uh, were, were interviewed and they talked a little bit about what they've been doing on directing in season two he, uh, Frank Darabont says he's hoping to do the 13th episode, the final one. Hmm. He said that remain that, uh, remains entirely if heard lets me. <laughs> That's fair. So as producer, I guess she gets a uh, final say on such things. So I don't see why she wouldn't let him. He's an accomplished director. And he's he... probably just given her, you know, a little job. Oh yeah, there. probably. Absolutely. If she lets me. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, that'd be fun to see him directing another episode. Um, On Michonne being added to the cast, he Mm. said, I can officially tell you she is coming in the third season. All right. So assuming there is a third season, which is a pretty safe assumption, but nothing is set in stone. Yep. um, I want to count my chickens before they hatch. You wouldn't want to do that. Uh, But Michonne will be in the third season if we get one. Right. It's very exciting. Uh, And this is a really, really interesting interview. Lots of revealing stuff in there. So uh, check out the link to that to to go see more. Finally, in the news today, we got a call onto our voicemail line from somebody who was looking for work as a zombie extra in the show. Right. This is something we talked about, I don't know, a few episodes ago about how they were casting zombies, and we gave out a uh, email address for you to contact if you were interested in such work. Just to clarify that we have no, you know, official involvement with the show, so we are the wrong people to contact yeah. if you want to be an extra as a zombie.
1: Yeah, we don't even hire extras for the show, for our show.
0: No, I don't know why we've got these two people behind me just sitting there pretending like they're eating dinner, but... They're, they're interns. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, to the to the person who called in, um, I'm sorry, but we cannot help you with that, and... uh Um, But if you are interested in being a zombie, apparently the email address to contact is twdextras at gmail.com. The Walking Dead Extras, TWD stands
1: for The Walking Dead, Uh at gmail.com.
0: That is the email address for zombie extra work on the show, according to, you know, um, posts around the internet anyways. I have not contacted them myself, but uh, if anyone was mistaken into thinking that we could help you, sorry if I uh, wasn't clear about that. Well, we can help in our own small way by pointing you in the right direction. There you go. Exactly. If you're, if you're confused at all, twdextras at gmail.com. Yep. Coming up after the break, it is our actor spotlight on Norman Reedus. We watched some of his old back catalog, and uh, right after this, we'll have that for you. for you the listeners of the talking dead audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service
1: i'm going to recommend pandora's star by peter f hamilton it's the first book it's what's your question have not heard of it have not peter f hamilton is one of my favorite sci-fi writers actually this is the first book in the Commonwealth uh, saga. He's a British writer, and this story begins in the year 2830, after humans uh, gain wormhole
0: technology. Wormhole technology, so we've left the planet.
1: We've left the planet. Long and behind. We uh, humans discover two Dyson spheres, or a Dyson pair. And do you know what a Dyson sphere is, Mr. Fairhurst? Nope. Yep. A Dyson sphere is a sphere that completely engulfs a star. Beyond uh, some of the, at least some of the planets. So imagine a sphere at the distance of a, of, a, of the star that Earth is from the sun, and and completely encompasses it. So a full sphere that completely encompasses an entire star. Is it a real thing or is this a theoretical thing? It's a theoretical thing by a guy named Dyson, but uh, no, there's no way we could build one. That's crazy. Okay, so but- it's. I understand, all right. So they discover one. It's not like a mathematical concept or something No, okay. It's just, imagine this crazy thing if you could encompass an entire star in something. So they discover some in uh, a couple of Dyson spheres, and this is the story about that. What's the
0: book called again? Uh, Pandora's Star. Pandora's Star by? uh,
1: Peter F. Hamilton.
0: Peter F. Hamilton.
1: One of my favorite sci-fi writers. And the book is 37 hours and 26 minutes.
0: Available on audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for your free audiobook. Welcome back to the program, everybody. As promised before the break, it is now time for our actor spotlight on Norman Reedus himself. On the show, he plays Daryl, also known as Squirrel Chuck and Daryl, Squirrel Chuck and Daryl, <laughs> crossbow totin' Squirrel Chuck and Daryl. That's him. He does both of those things with vigor, I would say. Why would
1: uh, anyway? <laughs> I just have a. I'm not sure if crossbow is the right implement to hunt
0: squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's just me. No, I guess not. Slingshot, maybe. Great implement for hunting zombies, though. Oh, yeah. So, you you know, you get your bolts back and you can reuse them. Perfect. For a while, anyway, until they're too covered in blood that you can't even pick them up.
1: I'm glad you know that it's called a bolt and not an arrow. Well, I,
0: I, there's one or two things I know.
1: One or two. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, we watched, I'm going to quickly list off what we watched and then we'll get into each one. Uh, we watched the Boondock Saints from 1999. Sure did. Masters of Horror, John Carpenter's Cigarette Burns. Yep. Law & Order SVU Season 7 Episode 22 entitled Influence. Yep. And finally, Dark Harbor, a movie mm-hmm. from 1998. So, let Jason, let's start with the Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints. Probably Norman Reedus' best-known role, um, maybe before The Walking Dead, because he's certainly got some notoriety for the current role he is playing. Right. Boondock Saints was directed by Troy Duffy. It stars Willem Dafoe, Sean Patrick Flannery, uh, Billy Connolly, and Norman Reedus, of course, as Murphy McManus. Great name. Uh, This movie. Fraternal twins set out to rid Boston of the evil men operating there while being tracked down by an FBI agent. That oversimplification is... Directly from IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I think that's concise. I don't think it's an oversimplification. Maybe not. I mean, for a one sentence movie uh, description, it does the job, I suppose. It's got everything in there. It's got
1: Boston, it's got twins, <laughs> it's got evil, it's got operating, it's got FBI agent. And tracked down. It's got tracked down. Yeah. So this was my first viewing of the Boondock Saints. I think it was mine too. I may have seen parts of it in the past, but I think this is the first time that I sat down and watched this thing from door to door. Did you sort of recognize stuff while
0: you were watching? Does that why you think that? Oh, yes. Mostly uh, Willem Dafoe, to tell you the truth. Really? Yeah. Um, well, I know for sure it was my first viewing. Um, and as as I said, this is Norman Reedus's probably most well-known role before The Walking Dead. It kind of made him famous, I think. And um, I thought the movie started weak but ended strong.
1: Well, that's my first note. Is it started out kind of crappy, but uh, got better.
0: Well, I'm not sure I would say crappy, but the one, near the beginning, um, the FBI agent played by Willem Dafoe is investigating the crime scene, right? And then he puts on the headphones and listens to the classical music, and that's how he does his investigation. Yep. And the whole scene came off to me, anyway, slightly goofy. It, yeah, I would agree with that. That could be what they were going for. There was a slightly goofy element to the entire movie. Um, but not so much so that you couldn't take the movie seriously, if you know right. what I mean? Yep. Um, but then as the movie progressed and these uh, these two brothers kind of took their vigilante, you know, calling to the next level, mm-hmm. it became sort of awesome, I thought.
1: I, I thought it ended a lot stronger than it started.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, the first, what draws them into this lifestyle all sort of happens by accident, right? right? Yep. So that's probably why they're a little bit bumbling at first. Um, and of course there's the scene where he throws the toilet down on the guy and then jumps down, which was a bit crazy.
1: From like four stories up. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I guess you got to land on someone if you're going to do that. He didn't. No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but then later on there's the scene with them in the, in the, um, in the vents, Yep. And and then they're kind of still bumbling there they too. They are. They get tangled up in the rope. Tangled up and they fall down and spin around upside down and shoot everyone in the room. Yeah. Now it was a little bit crazy, but it was totally awesome, I thought. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> um, so, I mean, that was sort of my feeling. I really enjoyed the movie by by the end of it, even though it took me a few minutes to get going with it. Yeah. A couple of things that I noted here is that Ron Jeremy is in this. Oh, yes. Ron Jeremy. And
1: anything with Ron Jer- Jeremy in a non-porn role is okay by me. Porn rolls are okay by you too, though. Not well, Ron Jeremy. Oh yeah. He's one of the, he's known as the hedgehog in the, in the business. And, <laughs> For uh, obvious reasons. In I a think. lot of, uh, uh, porn starlets contracts they have in their, I will do anything but animals and Ron Jeremy. <laughs> How do you know that? Cause there was a show on, uh, late night television called Pornocopia. Do you ever watch that? No. Uh, you don't have cable. Uh, this was years ago though, where they did, uh, it was kind of a documentary on the porn industry. um, in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so they they talked to, they interviewed the, the the porn producers and directors and some of the stars and that kind of stuff.
0: And they just talked about the <sighs> porn industry and they they did a little thing on Ron Jeremy. Well, I, his character in the Boondock Saints, I didn't quite get why he was, he was there. It was just a cameo role.
1: Ron Jeremy just, uh, he's like one of the busiest guys in porn acting. He's all over the place doing... Uh, scenes and uh, conventions and all this kind of stuff. He's always on the go and he's always trying to break into that uh, legitimate theater. So uh, (laughs) I think this was a kind of like, hey, let's get Ron Jeremy in here.
0: All right. I mean, I understood the scene. It's just he wasn't there for any particular reason.
1: No, other than Ron Jeremy being in the movie. I got it. It was okay by me, really. Okay, good. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was filmed in Toronto because it it was a Lakeview Lunch.
0: I looked that up. It was filmed in Toronto.
1: Because I was watching it and right near the end, I'm like, hey, Lakeview Lunch. And then uh, there was one scene where uh, I knew that Norman Reedus was sitting in the very stool that I sat in and had lunch one time.
0: Really? that's That's very exciting. My friend Julia was a waitress there. That's also exciting. It was great. Uh, It was definitely filmed mostly in Toronto. The final scenes apparently were filmed in Boston. And obviously all the wide stuff is stock footage from Boston or, or shot for the movie in Boston. I don't know. But the rest of it was in Toronto. So hometown for you and me. If you ever get to Toronto, go to the Lakeview lunch.
1: It is a true 50s diner, has not been remodeled since the 50s.
0: You know, that even that alley from the beginning, um, we could find that because there was a couple of very distinctive storefronts in the background, and I think I know where they are.
1: Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't catch on the uh, the Toronto aspect of it until, well, the Lake we lunch right at the end there, so.
0: Well, th- that alley in the background is uh, Henry's, the camera store. Oh, okay. So, and now they're- one are downtown? F- well, I think so. There's a few of them, right? But the, 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 well, they're the, all
1: over the place, but I'm just- if there's an alley, it's got to be the one downtown.
0: That's what I'm saying. So the alley might not be there anymore. It might be completely different now. Probably McDonald's know. now. Yeah, probably. So uh, so that's cool. Now, what did you think of um, Norman Reedus particularly in this uh, in this film?
1: I thought he did a really good job.
0: <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> Concise and to the point. There you go. Um, he, he was just fun to watch, you know? He yeah. was just fun to watch, doing kind of what, what these two brothers were doing. Shooting people and... Being vigilantes. (laughs) And being (laughs) goop balls. So cool. The Boondock Saints, I enjoyed it. Um, If anyone out there hasn't seen it, go check it out. Go rent it from your local video store and you won't be disappointed, at least not in the second half. Yes. There you go. You won't leave disappointed. (laughs) No, you will not. Um, Jason, introduce the next... uh, Masters of Horror, John Carpenter's Cigarette Burns,
1: directed by John Carpenter, starring Udo Kier and Norman Reedus as Kirby. Uh, so, with a torrid path that haunts him, a movie theater director is hired to hunt for the only known print of a film so notorious that its single screening caused the viewers to become homicidally insane. That's not something you want to happen after watching a movie, I don't think. I, I, why would you want to, you know, screen a movie that would cause everybody to go on a rampage and burn the theater down and...
0: And kill just, each other. And destroy the only known print. It makes no sense to me. Uh, overall, this whole program made little sense to me
1: okay i take that back why wouldn't you want to make a movie that does exactly that well
0: for the if notoriety you could, i guess if you
1: could i made a movie that made everybody go
0: crazy and burn down the theater uh, not a lot of screenings are going that your movie is not going to find much <clears throat> success still financial success well i think the the uh, the director
1: his whole point was to do something that's impactful and that was very impactful
0: okay uh, as a presentation, um, by John Carpenter, what did you think of this?
1: I'm not a big fan of the John Carpenter, to tell you the truth, and I'm not a big fan of this kind of, uh,
0: you know, gore, horror genre. Well, I'm okay with that kind of stuff, but I didn't think this was very good at all. Like, I thought it was awkwardly written and weirdly acted and, uh, just the whole, the the whole, story didn't really come together and make much sense the thing that didn't make any sense to me was that the first step
1: he makes is to somebody who wrote a review why wouldn't you find who produced the movie maybe they have a copy
0: yeah but i i think that i think the point was they they didn't really know um who was involved and he remember he was running down running down the list of all the people and they're all dead 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 um And he was searching for someone who was at that screening where they burned the place down and killed everybody right and that writer was there. It didn't make any sense to me. well, the whole thing was kind of ridiculous. I mean, they introduced this supernatural element to it, um involving an angel, yep, which um it never really paid off i mean, even though the final scene involved this angel type person, yeah. I, I didn't really get it. I think the whole point of this was that it dro- it drove people crazy because they saw an actual angel have its wings clipped in this fictional film.
1: Yes, I think it made sense to me though. But
0: it it didn't pay off. The angel was introduced at the beginning yes. and then showed up at the end with no mention in between.
1: Well, that's because uh, they were trying to figure out. Well, first of all, we didn't. I didn't. I didn't know it was an angel. Did you know it was an angel? Did they tell us it was an angel at the beginning and I just
0: missed it? No, it, it was clear, though, because that guy who hires uh, Norman Reedus yeah. shows him a prop from the movie, which is mounted on his wall, which are big angel wings. Right. Then takes him through the hidden oh. bookcase and shows him this character, and you see as the person spins around the where they've been cut All off the right, so, back. Yeah. All right,
1: so I didn't put two and two together, but... I figured it was uh, that was a you know a, a journey of discovery to figure out what the hell was going on and why this caused all kinds of uh problems and you know what they set up was that if you put something violent like that true violence on film it gives the film power mm-hmm. and then this thing where they actually did violence to an angel and put it on film was like that big giant leap past just normal violence, right? It was enough power in that film to cause everybody to go crazy and kill everybody around them, themselves, and burn the whole theater down. I thought it was a a natural progression in, you know, in in its own
0: internal logic. I, I can get that. I can see your point, though. I can see sort of what they were trying to do. It's just, I think they could kind of make that point without the angel aspect to it. Keep it a little bit more grounded in reality.
1: Well, you'd have to have something so horrifically violent that it caused uh, insanity. Just seeing normal violence is powerful, like seeing true, actual normal violence is something that just, you know, fake violence I can handle, real violence I can't handle at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of thing on, on film, I can see that as being powerful, but this has to be something such a giant leap past that. What are you going to do? You torture a whale? because <laughs> it's so much bigger. <laughs> I don't think it's just about size. <laughs> Torture 70 people? <laughs> like, uh, so you go to something supernatural. So you go to yeah. the, uh, and supernatural good. So you, you, you I right.
0: think that leap to angel is the, the right choice. Okay. Well, I, I can see your point. I just thought there should have been a little bit more sort of in the in the meat of the sandwich there that that brought yeah. this angel into play a little bit, you know? But yeah,
1: I'm not a big fan of this whole genre, you know, to begin with, but I can see the internal logic. That's
0: right. all I really require out of a film. <laughs> internal logic. It in, makes sense within itself. internal logic. That's all I want. All right. Well, Norman Reedus plays the guy who goes to find this film and ultimately does and um, is kind of forced to watch it. Yep. Kind of forced to watch it uh, and ends up, uh, spoiler, shooting himself in the face.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, after you see somebody use their own bowels as film in a projector, <laughs> that's going to drive <laughs> you a little crazy.
0: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That was right before he ended up... Or yeah, it was before they saw the film. Before he saw the film. It was right.
1: silly and gross.
0: Yeah, I guess so. And just for fun, the movie was housed in Vancouver, British Columbia. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> From the uh, director... With the director's wife. So I thought Norman was okay in this for what he was given to work with. The... Right. the I don't know. It, it was ham-fisted a little bit. You it know? was. The writing wasn't the, great. The
1: whole, you know, uh, father-in-law aspect... Owing money to his father-in-law, I saw that as completely unnecessary.
0: Well, that's why he was doing this. He was looking for the 200 grand payoff for finding the film to pay him back.
1: Well, why would you be hired if this wasn't something you're interested in?
0: You're right. It it didn't need to be there, absolutely. No. You know, get hired, look for the film. dun da da da. (laughs) Yeah, but they they were introducing a flaw in his character, right? He was married to that guy's daughter, and she killed herself. And that was, that haunts him.
1: Your wife can just have killed herself and not have to have the father-in-law involved. Owing him money seems like pouring salt in the wounds to me. They
0: might not have even needed the the wife passed, to be honest. Yeah. So. He could be just having marital
1: problems. (laughs) I suppose What if he was getting a divorce and needed to pay her off for because they jointly owned the theater?
0: Sure. Anyway. Good worked. But he was pretty good. I mean, this was probably my uh least favorite of the four things we watched. Yep. Because well, it kind it, it bugged me. Not just for me. In the way it the way it kinda sucked. Yep. Um Law and Order SVU season seven, episode twenty two, called Influence. Yep. That is our next item. It was the season finale of this uh um it was the season finale of that season <laughs> show <laughs> show. Uh, Directed by Norberto Barba, starring Norman Reedus as Derek Lord, a rock Mm -hmm. star. Rock star Derek Lord goes on a national talk show and lectures about the abuse of psychiatric drugs. Meanwhile, an unstable young woman loses her virginity, goes off her prescribed medication, gets behind the wheel of a car, and mows down 10 people. Ouch. Um, I'm not really a Law & Order fan. I've never seen another episode of any of the shows. This is my first time. Oh, that's really too bad. And, (laughs) um, I don't want to talk about the show too much, because I just don't get it from a, from a show structure standpoint, but this self-contained episode was meh. This was a horrible
1: episode. Really? This was, as far as this show goes, and as far as Law & Order goes in general, this episode
0: was not good. To me, it felt like the police procedural we get in Castle was a million times better than this. Yeah. And it should be the other way around, if you ask me.
1: The structure was not good. The The whole point of this, uh, you know, special victims unit is to go beyond that normal police procedure and to take a special interest in the victims and to, um, to identify with them more and to be, you know, their protectors and saviors kind of thing. That's their whole point, right? Uh, this particular episode was it seemed awkward and uh, badly written and didn't make a lot of sense in a lot of times the motivations of uh, the main characters was not there it just was a horrible representation of this show in particular and law and order in general
0: right see it felt like it felt like it started sort of with one angle and then completely changed gears with this other rock star thing right involving Norman Reedus
1: the show does that
0: all law and orders do that. Well, I know, because the first half is the investigation, and the second half... Is no, the- I mean, just in uh, not as a general, uh, you know,
1: structure uh, that they follow, but they will do that occasionally. They will, you know, start off with a whole, if the show's going to go in this direction, but the, sometimes they'll leap out of the formula and change directions halfway through. Right, okay. So that was not unexpected for me.
0: Well, they certainly did that in this case. In- Derek... Uh, Lord, Norman Reedus, wasn't introduced until a good 20, 30 minutes into the hour-long show. Yeah. And um, he did a—I thought he did a a good job playing this rock star. We don't see him really in his rock star lifestyle. We see him in his, you know, rock star Bono activist-type lifestyle. And the second half of this episode was a lot better than the first half. Yeah. The
1: first half, I just was was like, oh, I can't believe i got to watch this. (laughs) I would have turned it off if it was on TV. I would have just said, "Screw it, yeah. I'll move on to the next episode some other time." All right. And this is my least favorite of the three lawn orders. Current, oh, actually, only two. No,
0: there's three, but it's my least favorite. So, what did you think of as, of Ritas as a campaigning rock star? I think he, he I think he fit that role rather well. He looks the
1: part. He does look the part. And I think he sure. he played the part well, and I think that uh, you know he was
0: correctly cast. <laughs> accurately cast accurately what what more can you ask for really bono Uh, yeah no that'd be too much (laughs) that'd be too much bono was there way too distracting (laughs) look it's bono maybe the edge
1: (laughs) (laughs) just for fun nobody would know who that is well he would take his hat off and nobody would recognize him at all yeah because he'd be bald
0: he'd be bald what's that guy doing there yeah so I, i thought norman did a good job here he certainly was better in this than in masters of horror in my opinion Maybe because it was just a better role for him, but I think he did an okay job, and he kind of, at the end, um, I don't want to say got what was coming to him, but he had his mind opened a little bit as a character. Right, And I, I like that. It worked for me. Yep. I like this uh, particular one the least of all the four things we watched. Okay. No, it's 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 uh, second from the least for me. <laughs> Masters of War being awesome. the worst finally uh dark harbor why don't you introduce this one
1: all right so dark harder harbor is directed by dark harder that's, harder. that's something different all uh, yeah that's got the hedgehog in it for sure all right adam coleman howard directing uh starring alan rickman Polly walker norman Reedus as young man doesn't even have a name doesn't get a name uh summary a bickering couple couple Drive fast through a downpour to catch the last ferry to their island retreat. In a flash, they recognize a crumpled body laying at the side of the road. After much argument, they stop, only to find the young boy battered and bruised.
0: Are you kidding me? Did you write that? No, I took all these descriptions from IMDb. (laughs) Now, there might have been more to that one. That's like the
1: first five minutes of the film.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, yeah, but (laughs) anything more than that, and you get into details that you might not want. Uh, How about a uh, a bickering couple uh,
1: befriend a wayward young man and something, I don't know.
0: And hijinks ensue. And hijinks ensues. Let me just start that we are going to spoil Dark Harbor, okay? To talk about this movie, you have to spoil it.
1: And we're going to spoil the, the, the snake in the mailbox at the end, right?
0: We are, for sure. To, To talk about it, you have to do that. So if you haven't seen Dark Harbor, um, I know all you Norman Reedus fans probably have, but if you haven't, maybe skip ahead in the podcast, towards the end, or simply just turn us off now.
1: Press pause, watch it,
0: come back. Or do that. That's even better, for sure. Yeah. Um, All right, welcome back. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Now that you've done that, here's the deal with Dark Harbor. So as that description laid out, a couple finds this man on the side of the road. They um, kind of take him into their life a little bit, Not what, at least not what you think is on purpose, although in the end you find out that there was more to it than that. Um, he doesn't leave, they spend a few days with him, and in the end, the wife of the couple, uh, kind of goes crazy, a little bit, and, uh, they end up, the husband and the young man, faking her suicide to Mm -hmm. get him out of the picture. Her. Sorry, her out of the picture, so that Alan Rickman, his character, and Norman Reedus' character can continue their gay love affair.
1: Why does it have to be gay? Well, Why do you put gay in there? Just love affair.
0: They're two men and they're gay. That's right. So, I just don't think you need to qualify it. Well, I, I don't think it's inaccurate to, to do so. No, okay. All right, whatever. <laughs> uh, so this movie, for me, I'm going to say started kind of slow. Yep. It it, uh, it was a very kind of moody, brooding type movie. There were sure very was. few happy moments <clears throat> in this film. Um, and And by the sort of midway point, I was starting to get a little bored with it. Yeah, I was waiting for something to happen. Not a lot happens. They end up going to their retreat and uh, they're just kind of there and they're just sort of doing their thing. And uh, Norman Reedus as young man, mm-hmm. which, you know, I I learned on another podcast that when you're playing a character that has no actual name, it's usually not a very good role. Right. But in this case, it was a big role. It was a very important role, but he doesn't have a name. Right. Um. So anyways, yeah, halfway through the movie, nothing really has happened. and I'm like, come on, something better happen. I'm starting to lose faith in this this story. Yep. By the end, um, and certainly when you, when the twist at the end is revealed, I was completely on board with it. I started to think back about everything we saw in the film, and it kind of fell into place for me a little bit.
1: Now, my only problem is, what happens if, uh, what, ha- what would have happened if uh, the wife didn't spot Norman Reedus lying on the side of the
0: road and made her husband stop uh everything kind of hinged on that it, it did but that's an easy thing to get around if this was real life if she didn't happen to see him there if the lightning hadn't have crashed right at the right moment um Alan Rickman just says I think I saw something back there they go back and sure enough there's a guy lying on the side of the road
1: or he could have just uh I guess because they see him they bring him to 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 the nearest thing, and then they forget about him, and then he just kind of shows up later on yeah. on some island that they happen to crash on. Why not just introduce him there?
0: Well, I sure. mean, from
1: from a uh, a plot point of view, it just it makes kind of a lot of sense. From a you know uh, conspiracy to commit murder point of view, that seems like a more solid way to introduce somebody. No, you're you're right. I mean, I got, I, you know, I crashed on a boat. I happen to be camping here. I'm sorry that you hit me with a stick. a flaming stick
0: yeah stick on fire too uh no you're right i mean i suppose it could have been easier but it's kind of i see that as a minor thing in the grand scheme of this film you know i mean he's they the point is they find him he's stuck with them in their island and uh the um, the true nature of what's going on is is the most important thing
1: right now i thought the fact that he was a poet but didn't know how to write did i get that
0: right Well, that's, but that's, that was part of the ruse. No, that's
1: what I'm saying that that was a good thing.
0: mm -hmm. But you know, did I understand that correctly that he was a poet, but he did not know how to write? A bit of a poet, not like a published poet, not a guy who makes his living as a poet. He's just someone who, yeah, who, who comes up with stuff, I guess, poems. And yeah, he can't write them down. He needs someone else to write them. He said, they're my words, but someone else's handwriting. See, I thought that was clever. It's extremely clever. And he, then he has all these pieces of paper and other people's handwriting
1: with very, very dark, uh, you know, prose or poetry. And he thinks of one
0: that he wants, asks her to write down for him. That's right. And she signs and he gets her to sign her name on it and it becomes her suicide note. It's perfect. I thought that was great. It was, it was really good, and the whole mushroom thing, too, actually worked really well. Yep. Mushroom picking is, is um, familiar to me, because I have Eastern European relatives, and they all mushroom pick, mm-hmm. and to see it in the movie, I thought it was sort of funny at first, but then when you realize they're sitting there, and they have two mushrooms, and one of them is safe to eat, and one will kill you in a minute, he finds out, yep. from the wife. Obviously, Alan Rickman knew that she was a mushroom aficionado, right. and would maybe go out with him, uh, mushroom picking. To find that out, and then in the end, he essentially tricks her into eating the wrong one, or forces her. Well, yeah, I guess so. They didn't show it. They didn't show it, but they show it sort of come to her mouth, and then they cut the black. Right. Um. And and it was in a moment of passion between them too. Right. She had broke down, and they were they were getting it on a bit in the woods, and he brings the mushroom down. I think she bites it, not knowing which one it is. Right. Because she trusts him at that point. Stupid. Yeah, don't (laughs) don't trust a miscellaneous
1: dude that's in your house. Don't trust anybody you've been hanging out with for a couple of days that still hasn't told you his name.
0: That's true, too. I I think I might make a rule. Yeah. That's a rule. Yeah, don't trust anyone whose name you don't know. And doesn't know how to write. So, I thought this was, like I said, it started slow, but I ended up really liking this movie by the end. Yeah, it was very, uh, it was slow, but uh, very deliberately paced. Deliberate? The story was, was... uh, it seemed to me once you, once it all, once it is all revealed, it, it, it really, um, seems like it's been thought out well. Right. You Know what I mean? Um, and, uh, I thought Norman Reedus was, was pretty good in this. I thought so too. You know, as a young, dirty kind of mystery man.
1: Yeah. Once, once I found out that, uh, once they revealed that, uh, the money was all hers, mm-hmm. I, I thought that, uh, Rickman was going to
0: die. Oh Yeah. I don't know. I you know what else I noticed? Um when he come when Norman Reedus comes back at the very end, did you notice how different he looked? He was very clean shaven and very uh yeah, he looked a lot different. He 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 was very feminine looking even a little bit. You think like so? he yeah, they really smoothed out his skin with makeup and um uh, uh sculpted sculpted his eyebrows really really well but really in a sort of feminine with a feminine touch. No, I didn't catch that. No, you should you should see it. I mean, he walks up and he has a hood on. You don't see him at first, and then him and Alan Rickman uh, kiss, and uh, the camera spins, spins around. And it's him, but really, really different than uh, than we've seen him throughout the rest of the movie. And you know, he 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 did well. He like I said, it, it sort of bugged me at the beginning, but once I it was all revealed, I really really enjoyed it. and Thought Reed just did a great job. Right. I thought it was going to be more like a
1: dead calm kind of thing. You know, they're stranded on an island instead of a boat. There's this guy that just kind of shows up. Uh, and I thought that there was going to be some, you know, have to struggle together against this guy that is on a murderous, creepy rage. <laughs> <laughs>
0: creepy rampage. But it uh, it uh, turned into something different,
1: which was good, because I like it when un- unexpected things happen.
0: Which, yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the keys to a good um, sort of... I hesitate to call this a murder mystery, but a, a movie where there's a, a twist at the end, yeah. and this applies to murder mysteries, is that the best ones allow you or provide you enough information before it's re- the reveal happens at the end to come to the conclusion yourself. Right. And this movie, to be honest, um, I think it would be tricky to do that. It would. But I also think that uh, that it is possible. I think that they gave you enough to come up with you know what was revealed
1: I like it when they uh, when they give you the the reveal at the end the twist at the end it forces you to go back and reevaluate everything you've seen in
0: the last 2 hours by showing you um flashback clips.
1: No, just by, you know, that one <laughs> little thing, that little twist where, you know, they're uh, they end up being lovers at the end. You're like, "Whoa, okay. Now I have to go back and reevaluate every choice they made and put it in this new uh
0: using this new perspective." Mm-hmm. I like it when they do that. And this movie did that, I think. It did.
1: It, it did rather well, actually.
0: Yep, I was a bit surprised. So, um if you haven't seen Dark Harbor, it's from 1998 directed by Adam Coleman Howard, go check it out. Uh you know, Reed, Reedus fans have, Normus. Normus <laughs> Norman Reedus fans have probably already seen it. And if you have any thoughts, why don't you send us an email or give us a call? Um, in fact, if you have any comments on any of Norman Reedus' past work, particularly the, particularly the things we've watched, give us a call. And let us know. We will play your comments on a future episode.
1: Are we going to announce who we're doing for next time?
0: We should do that, too. Our spotlight is going to be on Sarah Wayne Calley's. She, of course, plays Lori Grimes on the program. We are going to watch two episodes of Prison Break. Mm -hmm. But uh, most excitingly, we're going to watch the first and the last episode of Prison Break. Yeah, the last
1: episode is kind of a combo episode. It's episodes 23 and 24 from season four.
0: So the first one is the pilot from season one. And yeah, as you said, 23 and 24 (laughs) called The Old Ball and Chain and Free. This this is going to be
1: good because I saw the first season. I've seen the first season of this show. You haven't seen anything. Nothing. So you're going to watch the first episode Mm -hmm. and get an idea of what's going on. And then you're going to watch the last episode (laughs) and have no idea what's going on, but see how it all concludes. Maybe
0: I'll watch the last one and then the first one. Oh boy, you're just blowing my mind here. Yeah, I don't think I'll do that. It's going to be fun. Uh, So that that will be fun. We're also going to watch the Celestine Prophecy movie from 2006 Mm -hmm. and a movie from 2007 called Whisper. Yes. Uh, we tried to go back to uh, Sarah Wayne Callie's really early catalog, but some of that stuff is pretty hard to come by. Yeah, Some uh, not available on Netflix, at least in Canada, or iTunes, or, you know, other avenues. So this is what we've got, but I think it's going to be great anyways. Yeah, I'm looking forward <laughs> to this one. If you would like to contact us, please do so at one 866 That is 1-866-483-9662. That is our voicemail line. You can send any comments or questions to that. You can find us on Twitter at talking dead, facebook.com slash the Talking Dead, or good old fashioned, reliable email uh, at talking at gmail.com. Those are all the ways to contact us. Please send your comments and questions, and we'll uh, we'll get them on the air if we can. Yeah. Um, so Sarah Wayne Callies is our next spotlight in two weeks. Watch those four four uh, things if you want, and send send your comments about that too. That would be fantastic. Um, a big thanks to Audible, our sponsor this week. If you want to get a free audiobook download, go to audibletrial.com/talkingdead. And uh, I should also remember this week to mention Stranger, our friend Dave's uh, zombie webcomic that you can find online. He's been on the show a few times, not for a while. We'll have to get him on soon. Dave,
1: watch these things and uh, come on the episode next week.
0: Absolutely. That's a great idea. It would be great to have him back on. So if you want to... Two weeks. Yeah, in two weeks. If you want to see what he is doing, though, it's called Stranger. It is at iHeartUnicorns2.com. That's T-O-O for two. As well. That's right, and uh, he's got the whole first issue of his uh, zombie webcomic up there. He's going to be at Fan Expo in Toronto later this summer, so we'll make Ooh. sure we keep you posted on that, and he'll have lots of good stuff to uh, give away, I think, although I don't want to promise anything, because I'm not sure 100% of his plans. So <laughs> No promises. <laughs> when he's on, we'll let him uh, We'll let him do that, so. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back in two weeks with episode number 49. And then the big five zero in a month, so that'll oh, be exciting. Going to be over the hill. I know. What are we going to do then? We'll have to come up with something exciting. Sure. All right. Thanks, everybody. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.